If you're new here, obviously, I'm not Jordan. I'm not that young, good-looking preacher y'all heard about being here at Pursuit. You showed up, and here I am with a beard, and who the heck is this guy? No, I'm Jamie. I'm the associate pastor here, the care pastor, and I am... I'm so thankful to be a part of what God's doing right here at Pursuit Church. If you've been here for a while, you know that God is moving in powerful ways and done some amazing stuff around here, and we're just glad to be a part of it. And I'm glad you're here today. I want to talk to you about, I do believe that God wants to speak peace into our lives. I believe that's very important. What happens so often? Wherever we came from or however we grew up or whatever we've been, however we've been educated, so often we allow ourselves to see God through that lens. And we allow our upbringing or the things, our circumstances particularly, to kind of set our view about God and who God is and even how God operates. But I think there's a whole lot more that God wants to show us today and to teach us. I think that to begin with, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Him coming as a baby, living, teaching, leaving his word with us, being crucified, rose from the dead, and the disciples all watched him ascend back to the Father. And he said, it's important that I go, I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can teach you and continue on with you, live inside you, and he will act out all the things through you that I desire. And he also teaches us as we read the word. He's there with us. God is in us. God is with us. That's what he desires. So in essence, God took something that was profound, that was extraordinary, And he makes it simple. He makes it ordinary for us to grasp and to us to understand. We can never know God fully while we live in this flesh because we still are in this body. Sin caused us to live in this body the way we are. And we know we have that hope that one day we're going to be in heaven with him forever. But until then, we're in this old body. And it's not perfect. Well, not all of us. Right? It's just not perfect. We're human. We're flesh. So we can't even grasp. We can't even, if we, if the heavens were opened and we saw God, we would all evaporate. So we can't fully understand God, but he gives us tidbits to grasp and to understand who he is. He was born. God became man. The disciples saw him, so they were able to embrace him. They were able to get to know him on that level, and it They just, they never really got exactly who he was. God, man, God, man, fully God, fully man. But that's what he was. Had it not been for that, we wouldn't be able to be redeemed. But even when he left, he gave us something tangible for us to remember and to to, to grasp a little bit. He said, for the communion and the last supper, this is what I want you to continue to do. And when you do, when you take the bread and you eat it, That's my body that was broke for you. And when you take of the wine, the fruit of the vine, 
That's my blood that was shed for you for the redemption, for the, for the cleansing of your sins. Those are tangible things that we can do now that's reminded of something so powerfully and so spiritual for us. And even as the simplicity of a seed that you plant and it grows something, the scriptures use that to remind us of what it is for redemption, for salvation, but also for the resurrection. That these old bodies must die one day and then we will be resurrected to live with him forever. That's good news right there. That's good. That's worth shouting about. It's worth saying yahoo sometimes. To think about this old life, you know, the older you get, now the older you get sometimes, you're like, oh, even so, come Lord Jesus. You're ready for, to get on with that eternal life. But he uses simple things to teach us the profound. And I think one of the most profound things that God wants to get across to us and to his people is that we can and should live with our faith in Jesus Christ in true liberty and freedom. James writes in the second chapter, verse 12, he says this, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. By the law that gives freedom. Liberty. Freedom is the distinct privilege of the ones that have been saved, the ones that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. This freedom is so profound that God actually says we become his children. We become sons. We have given sonship or daughtership, as it were, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. One of the most distinct things about our liberty is described in Hebrews when it says that the believers can come boldly into the throne room or into the presence of God. Peter describes that we have been vested with the power of the priesthood. It means that we carry this, we carry who Jesus Christ is inside of us and therefore we can enter into the holy of holies. We can enter in right to the presence of God. And Jesus in John chapter 17 describes or he prays, Father, let them be one with each other and one with me as you and I are one. He is actually ascribing the worth of God to all of us that have our faith in Jesus Christ. He said that day in the tabernacle, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim to the captives, liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to set us free. Do you feel free today? Do you feel like you are at liberty? So often we don't. And what makes this so profound on that day that Jesus Christ said that, he said, today 
This scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And why was that so significant? He was standing in the temple or the synagogue surrounded by Pharisees that wanted nothing more than to keep everybody in the bondage of the law. He came not just to fulfill the law, but he came to set everybody free from the law. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are free. The chains of sin fall off at our faith in Jesus Christ. Free from the power of the enemy. Do you feel free from the power of the enemy this morning? Maybe after a long, tough Christmas holiday, you feel kind of bound up a little bit with everything that's been going on. Give us some relief from the wrapping paper and all that stuff. Doesn't take long, does it? So I'm going to make this statement. Living for Christ is not hard. Living for Christ is not difficult. It's just impossible. Living for Christ is not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible without Christ living in us, through us, and forgiving us. The Pharisees wanted to keep people in bondage, and Jesus was there to set people free. They even added to some of the laws and created their own things to, to make extra money and to keep people in these chains, stuff that they couldn't even do. Jesus said, it's not that way anymore. I'm fulfilling the law. I am setting you free. Even right after the dark ages, Catholicism, they had their way of, of trying to keep people in bondage. They, they protected the scriptures during those horrible times, but afterwards they didn't want to give them out. They, they, they just hung on to them. It was a terrible time. That's what Luther done. He come and said, everybody needs to have the word of God at their disposal, at their freedom to read and to understand it. It's for everybody. It's not just for a priest. It's not just for a monk. It's for everybody. And even today, some denominations, some cults, they try to hold people in bondage. They try to create these things that says, this is how you become holy. This is what you do. Oftentimes, they take extra biblical scriptures and add to and do this, trying to pull people in to some type of bondage. Jesus came to free us from all of that bondage. We should be free. We should live in liberty in the name of Jesus. That's what he said. This is what the scriptures say. God's children are to live free in full liberty, not encumbered or stymied by any man-made barriers masquerading as keys to holiness. We should be fully conscious of God and his Holy Spirit in us. It is that that makes us holy, not by anything that we can do ourselves. He made it simple. He made it accessible. It's not by us, but by Jesus Christ. That is the good news, isn't it? What could we have done to bring salvation to ourselves? Nothing. What can we possibly do to live a holy life before God? Impossible, except the righteousness and the holiness that is Jesus Christ lives in us.
It's not by us at all. So Jesus takes some simple things to describe something totally indescribable and profound. That is himself. But he also wants to take the profound, the extraordinary, or he wants to take something simple to do the profound. And one of the most profound things that he wants to do for us and for you, for me, for everybody that listens, for everybody that reads the word, for everybody that's put their faith in Jesus Christ, he wants us to live in peace. He wants our lives to be filled with peace. Does that sound like I'm speaking a foreign language? Does everybody feel like today you walked into this and you're like, I have so much peace. The new year's coming, it's gonna be filled with peace. Ah, come on, you're like, Man, this guy is crazy. He's talking about peace right here at Christmas time. I got just a few more days and I got to go back to work. This, what's, what's peaceful about this? First, Tim, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, this is what Paul writes to Timothy. Pray for your kings and rulers that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And then he writes in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 13, aim to live quiet and peaceful lives. Now this next part I didn't make up, it's actually scripture. Mind your own business. How many of you feel like if your neighbor would just mind their own business, you could finally have some peace? If your husband or your wife would just mind their business, I think I could really grasp some of that peace that you're talking about. Aim to live quiet and peaceful lives, minding your own business and earning your own living. Now that's, that's one for the books. Then you will have respect from non-believers and you will have need of no one else. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. In Luke 18, men ought always to pray and not faint, not give up, not be downhearted. We can have peace. Peace is possible it might not feel possible with where you're at right now and what you may be going through. It may feel like it's so far away, maybe you've never even experienced it. But it's possible. Peace is used some over 400 times in the scriptures. The whole characteristic of the New Testament in view of peace is that it is the present possession of the believer. Scripture, the truth, assumes that when we have put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're living like he has, is teaching us to live through his word 
and we're taking advantage of all the things that he offers, then our lives should be peaceful and in peace. One single case, Paul writes in Romans chapter two about the peace we look forward to at the coming of Christ. Oh, and that is gonna be great. I look forward to that too. But the majority of the scriptures references that we can have and should have, can have, will have peace if we have our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. It is thus represented by Paul in Romans 5, Romans 8, Romans 15, 2 Thessalonians 3, and Colossians 3, which case this peace is as a meaning of a tranquil state a peaceful state of a soul that is assured of their salvation through Christ. And get this, not fearing anything from God. Not fearing anything from God. And consequently, they're content with their earthly lot. In other words, wherever you are, whatever you have, and whatever you're doing, you're content. Do you feel like you have that kind of peace? That you don't have to fear anything from God. Depending on what kind of church you grew up, you may think, man, that's not how we do it. We leave church scared out of our mind. I remember as a child listening to some messages and, and then when they handed out some of those tracks, those were like R-rated tracks. People's heads coming off, chopped off, 666 on you. I'm like, I, I, I don't even want to go to sleep at night. I'm scared to death. Is this what God does? Don't, y'all have read those tracks. I find them out here in the parking lot. I don't, people throw them in Pursuit's parking lot for us to read, I guess. Nobody's ever read one of those tracks. Am I the only one? Please, somebody. Okay, hands, good. I didn't want y'all to think I was, I am crazy, but I'm not that crazy. This is a direct result of the redemption of Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians 2, it consists primarily of a state that we live in that says we know we have been reconciled with the creator. That is what salvation is. That is where we find our peace to begin because we were enemies with God prior to salvation. When we put our faith in him, repent, then we're no longer enemies. We become children of God. Never, never to expect judgment from him ever again in this life or the one to come. That should bring peace in our lives. That should give us peace. You remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Peacemaker in here means those that having received the peace of God now brings that peace and shares it with others along with the good news of Jesus Christ. In other words, showing others, telling others, live in the way and where others can see that there is truly peace through Jesus Christ. So peace is possible. It's promised. It's there and available. But why do we not 
have it? What keeps us? What keeps us in bondage? What keeps us living a non-peaceful or a chaotic life? Well, so oftentimes, it's because we don't do some of the most simple things when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And one of those is spend time in prayer, reading the scriptures. If, if I ask everybody in here right now, tell me about your prayer life, everybody would probably say something different and you'd hem haul around a little bit and you'd probably, you'd probably well, yeah. It's one of the most difficult things that a human can do is to tell themselves, okay, I'm going in here. I'm going to pray to God that saved me. I've never seen him, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to commit this time, and this is what I'm going to do. And so many times we, we talk ourselves out of that. So many times we can put our faith in Jesus Christ, and we live a large portion of our life, and we never have committed time to that simple that he says is necessary daily. When we grasp that, it will change your life. Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him, that changed your trajectory, trajectory for eternity. But he also wants to change your day-to-day -day life. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you tranquility. He wants you to be able to live in that manner that he knows you can. But if we never develop that relationship with him, then we will never fully understand that peace. Prayer. Not my will, but thy will be done. Put in ourself in the presence of God because you've been given that right. You've been given that sonship. You've been given that priesthood. But how many times do we walk into the holy of holies, into his presence when he's given it to us freely? Peace comes when we live like we know God hears our prayers, but we are good with whatever he does after that. Peace comes when we live like we know God hears our prayers. But we're okay with whatever he does after that. The problem comes when we skirt that process. When we don't pray, when we don't ask, when we don't reach out to him, when we don't put ourselves in that type of relationship with him. Then we open ourselves up to all of our circumstances, all the garbage going on in our lives, and it doesn't seem like everything's working. It seems like everything is chaotic, and it just can't be that simple. And oftentimes, what we resort to that is running from person to person, running here, reading these books, self-help books. We want, okay, maybe it's this. Maybe I'm not doing enough for God. Let me figure out what I can do for God. So I'll tally up all these works and all this stuff. And most of the time, it's stuff that we can tally. We can check the list off. We've done this. We've done that. Then we can blame God. Well, I believed. I prayed last month. 
I've done all of this other stuff. I've gone on six mission trips. I've given money. It's just not working. That's where a lot of people are. Probably every one of us has been there at a time or two in our lives. James 4.3 says we don't have because we don't ask. And then on times when we do ask, we ask with wrong motivations. It's in these moments, it's in these moments, that's a crossroad in our lives on whether we're going to live in the fullness and the wholeness and the peacefulness and the tranquility that he has for us or we're going to stay saved still living in the chaos that can be life. That's the crossroads. And James says, even when you do pray, we pray selfishly at times because we want what we want. We think we know what we want and what we need. And it's funny how we still blame God for that. Moses, I just I think it's so curious, still talking about doing the profound through the simple. Even Moses, you know, he questioned God even calling him. And so one day when he's standing there and he's like, how am I going to be able to do this? Moses, what do you got in your hand? He had his old staff in the hands. He had throw it on the ground. Boom, it become a snake. You know, pick it up. Well, that took a lot of faith right there, really, to pick it up as a snake. But he picked it up. It's a staff again. He strikes the water in a, de- uh, the, a rock in the desert and the water comes out. God took something so simple to show Moses, I'm the one in charge. I'm the one that will do through you what you would never be able to do. David, a shepherd boy, a stone, a giant. Mm, The rest is history. Elijah with the widow. Give me your, give me something to eat. If I do, it's all I got. My son, we're going to die. Just give it to me. God said to give it to me. Okay. The oil never run dry. The meal barrel was never empty. She was willing to die to do what the prophet said. And God give her the rest of her life in such wonderful peace that she had everything that she ever needed. Where are you really? Nobody's asking you this except God. Where are you really? Where's your prayer life? Are you in the word? Or you've just been running around checking off your Christian things to-do list. God desires to do the profound in your life. The problem is sometimes that we just look at our circumstances and we still view God through our circumstances. And God is desiring that you will view your circumstances through him.
through his eyes. See, we make a huge mistake in our lives when we think that our life is out of control. We make a huge error when we think God is not involved in the circumstances that we find ourselves. Because when you're a child of God, you put your faith in him, he has saved your soul, you have eternal hope to be with him. Nothing will ever take you away from that except we still live like we're in chains and bound to this earth, bound to be sad, bound to walk around with long faces. And he said, you don't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Even in the midst of our circumstances, God is fully engaged. He's fully involved. Nothing happens to a child of God that does not pass through the hands of God Almighty. Nothing. It's in these times when you seem you're, you're like your life is in chaos, when you seem like there is no hope as a child of God, it is sometimes in these very moments that he's trying to show you something or teach you something or he wants to work in that what you consider to be chaos. I want to remind you of something I think is very important. I hope this will teach you something. Do you remember the night before Jesus was arrested? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went in there to pray and he told the disciples, wait here, pray, watch and pray. Oh, but pray that you don't be caught up in temptation. Pray that you're not tempted. Have you ever thought about why Jesus at that moment said don't be tempted? What? They were in a garden. They were, they were all alone. There was nobody else around. It was in the middle of the night. I thought, what, what, what were they going to be, what were they going to be tempted about? I believe that he was wanting them to pray just as he had taught them to pray earlier. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. When you look at what he said to pray about, it was all of our daily lives. And I believe the same thing with that prayer right here. I believe that he didn't want the disciples to be tempted to think that what was about to happen to him was not ordained by God. He knew what they were thinking. He knew they fully didn't understand all the spiritual magnitude of what was going on. And I'm here to tell you now so many times we live the same way. We're not understanding the spiritual magnitude that is resting right within us. That if we will just not be tempted to look at it like it's the devil doing it or somebody else is causing it and just understand God is involved in it regardless of what it is, don't be tempted to give that to the enemy. He loves it when that happens. 
He loves it when you, he makes you think he's in control when he has nothing on you. If we will turn our focus to God, see our circumstances through his eyes and just let him do with us what he will, then he'll heal your marriage. Then he'll bring your family back together. Then you will be somebody that your neighbors look at and say, I want what they got then we can begin to grasp the peace that he's talking about. He warns against this in Hebrews and again in 2 Corinthians, he talks about it. He talks about this, having this treasure in these jars of clay. He's talking about his spirit, his truth, Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. This treasure that we have that's in these jars of clay, the temporal. The eternal lives within this temporal body. And he described it as treasure in jars of clay. But in Hebrews, he says he's talking about earthly fathers, how they discipline their children. So he's given us this for hope. For your fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he, God, disciplined us for our own good that way we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems to be painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, the writer says, Lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. In other words, get up off your duff. It's not as bad as you think it is. Discipline is good for you. Your circumstances is not going to kill you. Nothing is going to touch you that is not ordained by God. And you may think I'm the stupidest man that's ever stood on this stage and talked to tell you the truth, but that's what the scripture says. That's what God wants you to hear today, that that peace, it is possible. He desires it in your life. How many of us need that? When you hear somebody talk about it, it's like something foreign, something you'll never be able to reach it's the same way salvation was. You never could have reached it except Jesus Christ did it and give it to you freely when you put your faith in him. It's the same thing with this. We still have to approach him. Let him have his way in our lives. And it's a simple change of outlook. And God will do the profound in your life for you, for your family, and for others. Your simple and peaceful lives is how God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal those around you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1. You know, it's, it's that scripture where he's talking about the quarreling and the division in churches. He said, don't, don't, don't let this be happening. And what's this I hear about some of you? Some of you are following 
Cephas, some of you, you can tell I'm from the south, I said follower in, follower in, follower in. Some of you is following Cephas, Paul, whatever. Don't let that be named among you. Don't, don't quarrel over that mess. Did Paul, he says, did I, did Paul be crucified for you? No. We're all his children. We're all his. So don't, don't, don't get caught up in all of that. For consider your calling, brothers. And he's talking about a lot of the disciples. He's talking about the people there. And the way this, it seems like he's belittling us, but he's not. But I want you to grasp what Paul's writing. For consider your calling. Consider that he called you and saved you. Not many of us were wise. Not many of you according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame those that think they are wise. God chose the weak in the world to shame those that really think they're strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world to do something profound with it. That's what he desires to do in your life. Verse 29, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. Why? Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, who is our righteousness, who is our holiness, and who is our redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You can live in peace. But it's not us and it's not me. It's not us collectively. We're not going to be able to help each other and give each other peace. It has to come through him. And he will work through us. But we know that we can't manufacture that on our own by our works or by anything except allowing him to do it in us. Be still and know that I am God. That word steel, it, it, it references someone having a grip on something and you're releasing it. That's one of the most difficult things we can do sometimes is just release our old ways of feeling about things when we hear God's truth. Or we want to hold on to our circumstances because we, we just have to release it. We have to release all of that and let him take it. We have to become weak. That's what he says in another scripture. We become weak so that he can be strong in us. That's similar to that be still, just allowing your, these things that we hold, these things that keep us from living in that freedom and that peace. Let them go. Know that it's there. Know that he wants to do that in your lives. Stand with me if you would. God's wanting to speak peace in somebody's life today, whether you're here or listening in the broadcast. It's available. It's real. And it'll change your life. 
God wants to use you, wants to live that way through you. I, for one, I'm gonna go into 2022 with some peace, don't you? I want him living that way through me. And I want him that way in you too. God desires that. Let's pray. Well, gracious God, I believe that you have spoke a word to all of us today. You're reminding us of a profound truth that you desire to live out in each and every one of us. You are no longer walking this earth, holy God, but you walk it through us. You're here today. Your presence is in this place because the believers are in this place. Lord, I pray that we hear your word and we act on it. Don't let one of your children live this life in utter chaos, never grasping the peace that you will make available if we will just ask and tarry and wait on you. Oh, gracious God, let us all live in the freedom and the peace that you provide. In the name of Jesus, amen.